Well, prayer is the topic of our sermons during these weeks, and specifically the kind of prayer that is about that thing that leads us to prayer, if you will, that leads us to that place of both request and and listening before God. And that is the notion of stepping into God's light. And as we step into that light, we take ourselves to a place and hold ourselves in that place for one purpose, and that is to commune with God. And they are those thresholds that we cross in order to come to attention. I've been quoting uh, throughout this series from a book by a Carmelite nun by the name of Ruth Burroughs, who's written a book called The Essence of Prayer, where she talks about how we hold ourselves in these places of encounter as we cross these thresholds and, and hold ourselves in these places of encounter. And we've talked about those places in the first couple of weeks of silence, uh, the, the threshold of silence, moving into silence, the threshold of scripture, allowing scripture to to lead us into that place of encounter. And today I want to talk about something called thin places or literal places, geographic points to which we bring ourselves in hopes of encountering God in those places because we've encountered God there before. Our texts from Psalm 63 and Psalm 42 in our liturgy this morning kind of point to that sense of geography and its influence in in how we pray and when we pray and how we bring ourselves to those places. But I'd also like to include in that the story of the transfiguration, Mark's version of it in Mark 9. And so let's go there now, Mark 9, verses 2 through 8. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. And suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we bring ourselves to this place today and do so with the intention of encountering you, knowing that you are much bigger than this place, but knowing that we have set aside this place for that encounter. Same for those of us who are worshiping in their own homes or in other places, we bring ourselves to those places for that one stated purpose. By your spirit, work in us that we might hear, and respond to your voice. For we pray in the name of the one who is the word made flesh, Jesus. Amen. I've joked with people and said so, I think, from this place uh, in the past that one of my primary spiritual disciplines is to stare at large bodies of water for long periods of time. (laughs) 
I think it's born especially of my time in early early in ministry when I served a church in Ventura, California, right on the coast, and I had the the incredible gift at my first church early in my career, having the corner office, uh, so to speak. Uh, in this case, it was just the second floor because the church wasn't a high rise, but it was a corner office and it had this incredible view of the ocean. And I could sit at my desk and stare at the ocean. And it got me in the habit also of going to the beach on my days off just to walk and sit and watch and stare at that large body of water known as the Pacific Ocean. And it was a place of prayer for me. It was, and it became a a thin place for me, a place of encounter. For seven years, I was in Pasadena, sort of landlocked, so unable to exercise this particular spiritual discipline very often. But once we moved up here and we're near a large body of water again, in fact, a couple of different large bodies of water, Puget Sound and a bluff overlooking Puget Sound and Richmond Beach became the new spot for me. It's a threshold I cross in order to pay attention to the presence of God. It's a thin place. And thin place is a a Celtic term. It's the idea that somehow there are places that we can go where the veil between heaven and earth is thinner and God seems more accessible to us, where we feel closer to God and thus more able to engage in prayer. The picture that we've been using on our website as sort of the logo for this uh, series is a picture by the artist uh, James Chapin. It's called Ruby Green Singing, and it's supposed to come up on the screen here. There it is. All I had to do was say that. This painting to me is the epitome of someone who's entering a thin place. Ruby Green is a a real person who was painted by the artist uh, at the time that she lived in Harlem, and he was painting folks in this particular church in Harlem, and she had a a voice that was revered by the congregation, and she was probably only about 18 in this picture in the 20s when it was painted. But uh, the way she has stepped into the light, if you will, and using singing to encounter God, to engage with God, to pray to God, to me became a perfect image of what it means to, to step into that thin place where we turn our face to the light of God and reflect the light that God shines upon us. So whatever it is for any of us, I think we all have those places that we identify as thin places. And when we identify those places, we kind of enshrine them in some ways in our own hearts and minds. And just generally in history, uh, the human race has been known to kind of attempt to want to capture and preserve the thinness of those places. And so we build shrines. Shrines are the, the commemoration of, of an encounter with God. And, or we build temples in the hopes of these buildings that we build somehow drawing our attention to the presence of God. But part of what we need to know about these monuments, and which we all actually do know in our hearts, is that these monuments are not in and of themselves guarantees of the thinness of the veil. 
they're not guarantees of the, the closeness to God, and we don't have to go to them in order to encounter God. The place where we build these shrines and temples or the places to which we go to pray are really not the point. What's the point is the memory of what has happened in that place in the past. The place is not the point, or to put it another way, the place is not a point in and of itself. It merely points to the one who is the point, God. And the story of the transfiguration is, in my mind, one of the best reminders in the New Testament of of this fact. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to this mountain, and there they have this experience of Jesus like no other they had ever had. There they have an encounter with the living God that is dramatically different than anything they have ever known before. They see him in his identity that they don't normally see. They see him as the second person of the Trinity. They see him as the son of God. They see him included in a massive narrative that precedes them and that will go on after them because they see him with the representation of the law and the prophets with Moses and with Elijah. And they're all terrified. They're all dumbstruck. And Peter is terrified and Peter is overwhelmed and he doesn't know what to say. But like Peter always is, he says it anyway. Wendell Berry has a character in his novel, Jaber Crow, of whom he says, there wasn't ever a thought that came to his mind that did not also pass over his lips. (laughs) Peter would have fit the bill for that particular description. And Peter's response to this glorious event, which terrifies him is, let's build a theme park. Let's build three tabernacles. Let's build three tents that will each be shrines to you, Jesus, to Moses, and to Elijah. Let's do this. And Mark is so wonderful as he reports this story. And he says, for Peter did not know what to say. (laughs) But he said it anyway. Let's capture and preserve this moment. Let's enshrine it somehow so we never forget it. Let's build a monument, and that'll help us to remember. Peter was the first to speak, but there was still a voice to be heard, and that voice also spoke in the context of this story because the voice that speaks delivers the message that needs to be heard at this moment, which is not, let's build a theme park, but look who's standing in front of you. Listen to him. This is my beloved son. Pay attention. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. He has the word that you need to hear. This is my beloved son. This is the point, and he is the point of the encounter. So to put a finer point on it, shut up and listen, Peter. You now know something that you did not know in the fullness of an experience. So sit with this truth. Let it permeate your soul. Listen to this one whom you are with. Remember this. When it comes to those moments, 
or comes to that moment, which will come right after the cloud is lifted, remember this when you see only Jesus, that guy you've been following around since he called you away from your nets. You don't need to preserve this moment with a shrine. This moment is what will preserve and fortify you. It will remind you to listen to Jesus irrespective of where you find yourself because he'll be there whether you notice him in this way or not. There are always those days, that moment that we celebrated the presence of God will seem to be the farthest thing away from our conscious awareness and from the reality of our current experience. The thinness of those places where we have experienced God, those senses that we are unmistakably in the presence of God, are not simply things that are born of a place. They're born of an encounter. They're born of a relationship in a particular place. They're about the presence of God. And what Peter is learning in this text is what we all learn when we pass out of that thin place and go back to it and have the experience of it not feeling as thin as it once felt. But what we're reminded of in this text is that we can know the presence of God even in the darkest of places. We can know the presence of God wherever we are, whether we're in that thin place or not. And I thank God for the Psalms because the Psalms really remind us of this over and over again. And we looked at two of them this morning, Psalm 63 and Psalm 42, that are all about celebrating the presence of God, even when it feels like there's no reason to celebrate that presence because God feels absent. Psalm 63 is the psalm of David on the run where he's run to the wilderness of Judah in fear of Saul taking his life. And he's in this dry, as he says, dry and weary place where there is no water. But even in this desolate, shadeless place, this wilderness, David learns that he can find the shadow of God's wings in which to find shelter. Psalm 42, written out of the context of the exile when the temple had been destroyed. There was no temple in which to pray, only those empty spaces by the waters of Babylon. Again, a dry place where tears were their only food, as the psalmist says. And yet it's the memory of leading the throng in worship that the psalmist celebrates. He brings up that sense of hope that comes from the knowledge that an encounter with God has taken place. And so an encounter with God can take place and an encounter with God will take place. It's very good for us to take ourselves as a matter of a kind of spiritual discipline, to take ourselves to these thin places for us and to even try to discover them, if you will, to, to know that special place. I know a lot of people who are not a part of this church for whom our outdoor chapel is that thin place. I know people within the church for whom that is true. 
and they go there. And in the very act of going to those places, we set up an expectation that God is one who can be encountered. And we can bring ourselves to that encounter and hold ourselves there. It's good for us to take ourselves to thin places in order to pray, but here's the thing. Even when those places do not seem thin, even when they fail to bring us the assurance in and of themselves that God is present, even when they are not the kind of destination that we hoped they would be, the lesson that we learned in those places, the truth that we experienced in those places is still very true and very much alive. And those places will and can point us back to the point that every place is a thin place because there is nowhere we can go where God is not also present. It's not the place that sustains us. It's God who sustains us. Even the driest and weariest and loneliest of places can be thin places. There's no guarantee that our thin places will always feel thin, but God is with us nevertheless. And that's the truth that gives us energy to watch and to wait and to occupy ourselves with the assumption that even in that wordless place, where prayer seems to be the farthest thing from our capability, that it's okay to sit and to wait and to listen. So I want to close with a poem by Wendell Berry that is a lot about finding that thin place in a place you don't expect it. It's from his Sabbath poems uh, and was the first poem in his collection of poems for that year because he writes a set of Sabbath poems for every year. This goes back to his first poem in 1979. I go among the trees and sit still. All my stirring becomes quiet around me like circles on water. My tasks lie in their places where I left them, asleep like cattle. Then what is afraid of me comes and lives a while in my sight. What it fears in me leaves me, and the fear of me leaves it. It sings, and I hear its song. Then what I am afraid of comes. I live for a while in its sight. What I fear in it leaves it, and the fear of it leaves me. It sings and I hear its song. After days of labor, mute in my consternations, I hear my song at last, and I sing it. And as we sing, the day turns, the trees move. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, empower us to sit and wait and watch and listen until we hear that song that sustains us, 
and that song in which we may join. Empower us to hear your voice and to sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.